everybody, and welcome to the Small Stories Podcast, presented by Small Story Studio. My name is Billy Ivy, and I will be your host, and this is episode two. You know what? No, it's not. I can't give full credit to episode one. Episode one was not a full episode. It was a half of an episode at very best. This is episode 1.5, so I'm going to start over. Hello and welcome to the Small Stories Podcast, presented by Small Stories Studio. My name is Billy Ivey, and this is episode 1.5. I don't guess it matters. Listen, in the last, pa- in the last episode, if you can call it that, and I don't, in the last half episode... I talked about small stories, why you should care, why it matters, what it is, why we're doing what we're doing, and and I, I thought that this would be a, a better way to explain the idea that was presented in episode 0.5. It's for me to tell you a little bit of my story, and I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story, but I'm going to have to sort of introduce my story. Uh, so 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 here we go. Let's just, you know what, let's just do this, okay? You know, over the past few years, longer than that, more than likely, more than few years, I've been told by a bunch of people, including my wife, whom I love, whom I appreciate, who I trust, that I should start a podcast. And I usually question those people's sanity or at least their judgment, right? Because who in the free world would want to listen to me go on and on and on and on and on about stuff, anything. And I still question those people. I still question my wife, whom I love and trust and adore. But after the continued prodding, the continued, hey, you ought to do this. You really ought to do this. I heard one the other day and you could do so much better. Listen, I I get it. I'm going to start one. We've started one. It's called Small Stories. And we're going to give it a shot. And how hard could it be, really, right? It's just talking about stuff. Now, I've always been a writer. Um, It has been my occupation for 25 years. I've done it through advertising uh, and marketing and branding. 25 years. I've gone from agency to agency to agency. Over over 12 12 jobs. That would be 13. 13 jobs that I've had. All revolving around advertising, marketing, writing. I've been a writer. But writing has been my passion for a lot longer than that. I was blogging before blogging was cool. I used to write poetry. I like to write jokes. I've authored two books, both of which are available now. A Sea Between Us, Tyndale 2022, is now out on Amazon.com. You should buy it. Long is the Way, we talked about that last week, is available now on Amazon.com, but also at SmallStoryStudio.com. You should buy it. A bunch of them, actually. But I've written all my life, right? I've even written books. I even write on napkins from time to time. Now that is a different episode altogether and we'll probably get to that for sure. But I've always been pretty comfortable sharing my deepest, darkest secrets and most closely held beliefs to whomever would read them or listen as the case may be. So why not a podcast? I don't know. Here we are. 
And I'm actually going to treat this podcast much like a blog. I'm going to try to keep the segments short and real and consistent. And I'm going to also try to introduce you to other people. So much unlike a blog, I'm going to have guests on this show. I think there are other people who can speak to you in smarter, more meaningful and useful ways than I can. So we're going to invite them on. We'll see about that. I don't know. But for now, I hope this will just be a fun, funny, sometimes thought-provoking, real look at story, the power of story. And the opportunities we all have to tell ours. And the reasons why they should be told. They make a difference. They're meaningful. That's how we connect with one another. And so, you know what? I'm just a guy. Just a regular dude. A writer for 25 years. But I'm going to talk to you about things that are important to me. And that are important to the idea and the ideal of small stories. A guy who tries hard, plays hard, prays hard, and screws up even harder just about every day. Hopefully that can be an encouragement to you. Well, now we're going to get into episode one. Episode one. We're going to title this episode, Fill It With Laughter. And this isn't an altogether funny episode, but you'll understand the title as we get deeper into the story. Now, it was 16 days before my 16th birthday when he went to heaven, my father. That was 35 years ago now. It sounds like a long time when I say it out loud, but that day, that day still seems like it happened this week. I remember what I was wearing when I found him. I remember what I did as soon as I knew Listen, I, 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 I ran out the back door of our house. We lived on some property. We had acres in our backyard. And there was a barn at the back corner of the backyard. And I remember running and screaming obscenities as loud as I could until I got to that barn. And when I got to the barn, I just tore it up. Banging it and hitting it and kicking it and pulling things apart. Trying to find the cuss words that would make me feel something other than what I felt. I don't really remember a whole lot more than that from that day. And I don't even remember the funeral, really. Like those memories, they're there, but they kind of play back like like scenes from television reruns, right? Bits and pieces seem clear, but most of the dialogue is, is paraphrased or muffled or blurred. Can't really make it out. But I remember my dad. I remember his mustache. He had this this incredible Tom Selleck Magnum P.I. mustache. And I used to watch it disappear into his coffee cup early mornings, Sundays before church. And that mustache would sting my face. It, like as he kissed me or he would zerbert me, you know, that you know, the zerbert thing that dads do sometimes. He would zerbert me before school and it would sting all the way through third period. And I remember his laugh. I remember his eyes. He had happy, happy eyes. As I grow older, the more thankful I am for my dad and the influence he had on me on my childhood. But I think I'm most thankful 
for the impact he's had on me since he's been gone. Does that make sense? Let me explain. I'm thankful for the influence my dad had on my childhood, but I'm more thankful for the influence he's had on me since he's been gone. You know, after people die, we tend to remember the best of them. As time passes, memories play back, you know, kind of like a, like a, a one shining moment video collage at the end of the NCAA basketball tournament. Like a highlight reel, right? And not many people, not many of us, sit around and ponder the, the, the less than lovable things our dead, rel- our dead relatives did, right? I mean, even, even when we do, though, when we think about those things, there's a kindness and a fondness to that memory. Now, my memories of my father, my dad, are all good ones. I'm sure he yelled sometimes, but I don't remember. And if he did, I bet he had good reason. Probably my sister. We're just going to leave that there. I'm sure he had these annoying habits and flaws that bothered me and others, but I don't remember them. I'm almost certain he smelled bad from time to time, but I can't recall. I just remember my dad being there. I remember his big, toothy smile. I remember playing cowboys and Indians. We wrestled. We skipped rocks. We skipped church to watch John McEnroe, John McEnroe, defeat Bjorn Borg in the 1981 Wimbledon. I was nine, and that was awesome. My dad sounded like a seal being eaten by another seal when he laughed. It was this like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And he'd laugh a lot at me or with me. I'd tell him stories from school or made up jokes and he would belly laugh that like I was the funniest human being on the planet. I don't remember a single time when my dad was disappointed or angry with me. I don't remember him telling me to get my shoes out of the middle of the room or to go make my bed. Of course he did those things, but that's not who he was. That's not the remembering that I'm able to recall. He was the guy who taught me how to juggle. And he taught me how to juggle by tossing around pieces of my grandmother's fine china. It was incredible. He was the guy who threw me flailing through the air at the swimming pool. And then again and again because I think I can get you further out there this time. Over and over. He was the one who let me ride on his shoulders while we climbed Stone Mountain. The guy who sweated through telling me how men and women are, well, you know, they're different. And, you know, babies are made when those differences bump into each other. And then, anyway, he was that guy. I remember throwing the football with him. We did this a lot, but I only really remember the one time. It was in our front yard on Shenandoah Drive. There was this willow tree at the far end of the, of the yard that, that signified a touchdown. I remember throwing the ball with him then. Maybe it was a dogwood tree. I don't know. I remember that my dad ran a lot. He was a marathon runner. 
I don't have a clear memory of him actually running. Not a single one. I remember that my dad loved Jesus and he loved to tell people about how God had changed his life. And even after he got sick, he was more and more excited and vocal about God's love and grace. That would frustrate me. I was a healthy, confused, and pissed off teenager. And he was about to die with those happy, happy eyes. I didn't get him back then, but I do now. You know, my story, like every story, is full of major and minor characters. You know, that we, we all have these major characters and minor characters who have impacted our lives. You know, major characters like my father, he made this indelible impact on my life. And then minor characters like, like the checkout line lady at Walmart I saw this weekend. She's a minor character. Now, I'm not going to soon forget the chain that she had connected from the ring in her nose to the ring in her earlobe. Ooh. You know, it, but it, that just made an impression, right? It was, it, it was not an indelible mark. She's a minor character. And we all have these minor characters and major characters, even in our small stories. But my dad will be this character around whom the plot of my story will be cast moving forward. He helped shape me, mold me, guide me, and direct me to where my story will ultimately lead. It, 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 it guided me and directed me to here. And we all have the unique opportunity to help shape the people around us every day we're here. The things we do and the memories we create, no matter how faded or heightened they become over time, can make a real, meaningful, and forever difference in the stories of the folks we love. And you know what? In the stories of the folks we meet, day in and day out. And that's what this podcast is about, I think. I, I, I think that, that that's what we're going to do here. We're going to share stories. We're going to talk about the indelible impact that we can have on one another's lives as long as we're willing to share our stories. I said it last time in the last podcast, in the, in the point five version, right? To inspire another person requires only a willingness to tell your story. That's what I want us to do. We all have stories to tell. And I think the lie we believe is that our story doesn't matter. And it does. They do. I'm going to continue with my story. We'll get back to that in just a second. We'll get back to my story. Okay, listen. I had a perfect family. On the outside, at least. We were, we were pretty much perfect. And we were pretty great on the inside, too. But to look at us, and I mean to, to see us in pictures or, or out to, to lunch at O'Charlie's or Pargo's in Brentwood, Tennessee in 1986... You would have certainly thought that we all had our stuff together. A tall, good-looking, brilliant, and successful dad. A beautiful, stay-at-home mom with a smile that could light up the darkest room. Four happy, healthy, fairly popular, and fairly well-rounded kids who never wanted for a single thing in their lives. It was kind of perfect. Until it wasn't. Now, I mentioned that my dad was a great athlete, right? He was a, a record-holding track star and basketball player, baseball player, and football hero in high school. He was all the things. He was a four-year starting receiver in college, too. 
Okay. He played for Vanderbilt. We're going to give him a pass on that one. They weren't very good back then either, but he was great. Okay. And he was the single greatest country club tennis player in all of Williamson County, Tennessee, at least according to him. And he was this runner. I've talked about it, right? My dad was this avid runner. He was training for his sixth marathon. When he went to the doctor and, and the doctor gave him a pre-race routine checkup and said, you know what? You are in fantastic shape. You look incredible, Bob. Blood, blood pressure is 120 over 70. Your heart sounds great. Your lungs are healthy. You've got the physique of a 25-year-old. But you might want to get the twitching in your arms checked out. My dad had these muscles in his arms that would just sort of twist and turn and move. And they kind of looked like water rolling down a knotty hill. It was pretty cool, actually. But within a few days, several tests had been run. And my father sat half listening to a neurologist, Dr. Henry Patel. And Dr. Patel looked at my father and read off a litany of sobering results. My dad looked at him and said, okay, but bottom line, doc, and I don't know what any of that means, but can I run in this race or not? I have been training for this marathon for over a year. It's a big deal. The doctor just said, I don't think you understand, Mr. Ivy. This is very serious. He pulled his chair closer and squeezed my father's hand and said, you have a progressive neurological disorder. It's called amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. And I'm sorry to tell you, Mr. Ivy, but it's ALS. You have Lou Gehrig's disease. The story goes that my dad sat blankly for a few seconds, but then he smiled. And surely he was joking when he said this, trying to lighten the mood in the room. And he said, whoa, Lou Gehrig, huh? Now he knew what the doctor was telling him, but he he found something almost complimentary about that diagnosis. He said, Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig was one of the greatest baseball players of all time. He was in the Hall of Fame. He played with Babe Ruth. They called him the Iron Horse. Lou Gehrig played in over 2,000 consecutive Major League Baseball games, almost 15 years without missing a single turn at bat. Lou Gehrig, huh? I've got what he had. And then about 18 months later, he was gone. 16 days before my 16th birthday, he died. He was 41 years old. A few months before that, though, I came home after been, being cut from the, the school's basketball team. Now, listen, I wasn't a good basketball player. Coach Ricky Bowers of Brentwood Academy in Brentwood, Tennessee, had every single right in the world to cut me from his team because I was terrible. But I was devastated. I came home after having been cut. And I apologized to my dad. I was weeping. I wanted to be like him, you know? I wanted him to be proud of me. Now, he knew I was upset, and he could tell that, that I, was, I was shaken by this. And he came over later that night, and he took the sleeve of his shirt, and he wiped the tears from my face. And he said, son, I want you to know something. 
There is nothing you can do on a basketball court to make me love you any more than I do right this second. And there's nothing you can do to make me love you any less. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are my son. You are perfect. Don't you ever forget that. Now, I'm sorry. It stinks that you didn't make the basketball team. I'm so sorry. But you have everything you need to be successful. You have everything you need. You're a great brother and a great friend and a wonderful, perfect son. Now, being 15 years old, I rolled my eyes and went to bed. But after I went to bed, my dad did probably the most heroic and incredible thing he'd ever done in his entire life. He, he wheeled himself in his little wheelchair over to the kitchen table in our house. He grabbed a, a yellow legal pad and a red ballpoint pen, and he wrote me a note. He had to scribble the note with his left hand because the disease had taken the right side of his body from him weeks and weeks before. But he sat there, and I can't imagine how painstakingly he had to scribble this note. He took the note, put it at the top of the stairs so I'd find it the next morning, and I did. And here's what it read. It said, hey, buddy, today is going to be a great day. It's your day. No one and nothing can make your day anything other than you want it to be. If the weather calls for rain, decide that you'll enjoy being wet. If the test score is low, work hard to make sure the next one's higher. And if treated unfairly for something, if treated unfairly for something, Billy, smile and be thankful for the many things you've not been caught for. (laughs) See, son, attitude is everything. Today is not yet anything. Fill it with laughter. Attitude is everything. Today is not yet anything. Fill it with laughter. Holy cow. Talk about perspective. My goodness, this was a man who was quite literally on his deathbed. And his thoughts were for me. His thoughts were for what matters most in the grand scheme. His thoughts were for laughter. Now, I kept that note with me for a long time. I kept it in my back pocket. I kept it in my backpack. I put it in the glove box of my car. And I carried it with me everywhere. And somewhere along the way, I lost the note. I lost the the paper But the message stayed. The message was indelible. The message has stayed with me all this time. That message changed my life. At the risk of sounding like I'm I'm exaggerating, it changed everything for me. And here's the beautiful thing. He wasn't trying to change my life when he wrote me that note. He was simply trying to change my day. And he did over and over and over and over again. It was such a simple act, such a small thing. But the mark is huge. The results are huge. And here's the really cool thing, okay? Here's the really cool thing is that as I have thought about that story, as I have thought about the impact that my father had on my life, his influence has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger until now I realize that it is the most significant story in my life until the next one and the next one and the next one. My dad wasn't around to meet my wife, Bethany. 
He wasn't at my wedding. He wasn't there when my daughter was born or my son was born or all the other kids were born. (laughs) Those are all stories that have happened in my life. But the impact he had on me changed everything. That's pretty cool. And I may not remember all the details of my relationship with the man I called dad. But I hope that the life he helped shape can become a meaningful character in the story of others. And I know that it will. I know that it will because that's how it works. That's how stories work. And to inspire another person requires only a willingness to tell your story. I hope that my story encourages you a little bit. I hope that my story means a little bit to you. I hope that the stories we tell on this podcast will continue to help shape your stories. And that you will become more and more comfortable with the idea that sharing your story is important, that it matters, and it will make a big difference. Thanks for being along this ride with us. Thanks for being a part of this podcast. I hope that we can do this again. At the very least, laugh a little.